Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. I am the man, sick with the slang, sick and obsessed for fame. What's up, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls around the world? I would like to welcome you back to the Real Talk with Zuby podcast. Now, on today's episode, of course, we've got on a special guest. This is Max Kaiser. He is a Bitcoin pioneer. He has been creating content in the Bitcoin space for about a decade. He is a Bitcoin OG. He is also an investor, an entrepreneur, a broadcaster, and an all-around very interesting guy. Welcome to the show, Max. How are you doing? Zuby, it's great to be with you. Likewise, man. So I've done a brief intro right there, but for people who may not be familiar with who you are, tell them a little bit about yourself, Max. Well, I started in 1982 on Wall Street as a stockbroker. That was my first job out of school. Did that for uh, eight years. Then I went into semi-retirement in Paris for five years. Then I came back to Los Angeles and started the Hollywood Stock Exchange. I got a patent on a virtual currency, patent number 5950176, the first patent awarded for a digital currency. Then I sold that company to uh, Cantor Fitzgerald on Wall Street, went back to France, went back into semi-retirement. Then I met Stacy in the south of France, and we started doing content. She had a background with the BBC and in also Hollywood doing uh, script, uh, script doctoring, uh, some producing, and we started doing content. And uh, then really by accident, we got commissioned to make a film for Al Jazeera English in 2005, I think it was, or 2006. And we ended up making a series of documentary films for Al Jazeera English, delivering in Paris at the time. And we started doing content for international broadcasters, basically. Uh, and we continued to do that. And um, we, we started doing uh, Kaiser Report and RT, uh, RT in 2009. Hmm. We started covering Bitcoin in 2011 when it was a dollar. 
and it was for me, it was a continuation of what I had been doing on Wall Street and with the Hollywood Stock Exchange. So I, you know, really got into it quickly. Mm-hmm. And um, so we've been covering it now for 10 years. We've had most of the major players in the space have been on Kaiser Report, I would say. We were pretty much the only ones giving it coverage for, I would say, the first five years or so. He didn't really get any coverage anywhere else. And then, uh, and now we're in 20, 2011 and it's uh, exciting times. Well, 2021. 2021. And it's exciting times. <laughs> Very exciting times. A glitch in the system. <laughs> so how did you first, how did you first discover Bitcoin? How did you even come across it? Well, Stacy booked onto Kaiser Report an interview with John Matonis, who was uh, into Bitcoin heavily in 2011. He invented Hashcash okay. or Hush, Hushmail, excuse me, mm-hmm. uh, which was an encrypted email service. And then he got into Bitcoin. He came on and he talked about it on the show. And so we just jumped on it right away, realizing that it was, uh, I saw it right away as uh, this is going to change as, as a new asset class effectively. Mm-hmm. So that that has a lot of implications. And um, and then Stacy was really uh, intrigued by all the the feedback we got, which was highly negative. I mean, it triggered okay. people in the audience. They're like, "Why are you doing this? That's just terrible. It's a coin." And <laughs> and so we thought, you know, if it triggers people like this so wildly, you know, we should dig into it more and find out what's what what's at the root cause of all this. Okay. So we uh, we had on um, folks in the early days from the cypherpunks and the de- early developers, early core developers. And, uh, you know, really, I would say um, we um, kind of exposed the world to Bitcoin uh, in 2011. Uh, we put it on the map, uh, globally speaking, because the show goes out to 100 countries, million, tens of millions of viewers. Mm-hmm. And there are, you know, thousands of thousands of Bitcoin millionaires today that because of Kaiser Report were buying Bitcoin when it was under five bucks. Oh, man. So for anyone listening to this right now, I mean, if you've been checking the price of Bitcoin, you'll see that it's uh, blown past $50,000 just in the in the past couple of weeks. And I think today is probably hovering hovering somewhere around the $50,000 mark. So that's a 50,000x appreciation from a dollar. And from when it started, I don't even know, probably millions of percent. So what's that journey been like for you? I mean, I got into Bitcoin in 2017, but I'd, I'd heard about it a couple of years before, but I didn't really do much research. I didn't do my due diligence. I didn't see what the value proposition was. It wasn't until 2017 that I really looked into it properly and got involved with it. So what's been that journey like? What's that journey been like over the past decade being someone who was just there so early? Well, we had three crashes um, uh, and the three halvings that we've had since mm-hmm. uh, the first halving in 2012. And we have, we've had three 90 percent crashes. Wow. And the first one was from 30 bucks down to a dollar. Then we had mm-hmm. a, a thousand down to the 250 range and then 20,000 down to uh, 3,500. You know, mm-hmm. and so those those are really tough to go through. And, um, you know, um, it's. Um, we had in 2017 the block size wars, which was a very significant uh, piece of history mm-hmm. where um, you had the hard forks and Bitcoin Cash and Bitcoin Satoshi Vision came around. And um, it was really then that it was proven that the miners don't really control the network. It's really the nodes that control the network. And this is when Michael Saylor actually who had gotten into Bitcoin in 2013 and ignored it. He was aware of it. Okay. He kind of looked at yeah. it and ignored it. 
But after the block size wars, he understood that it was a uh, a swarm of cyber hornets. You know, he understood. <laughs> he started to put the pieces together, and he, yeah. and then you know now he's uh, absolutely crazy about Bitcoin, and he's leading this what I call a speculative attack against the central banks, mm. and uh, which is really a remarkable situation, which we can get into. But uh, nevertheless, so it's been, you know, fraught with all kinds of drama. You know, it's yeah, up, it's yeah. down, it's volatile. They've got incredible personalities that come and they go. Some go to jail, some die. Uh, yeah. You know, it's the period when Charlie Schramm was arrested at the airport and ended up going mm. to jail. It was a really hard period because we were covering Bitcoin at the time and we were heavily into it. And then suddenly we're, we're like, what, what, what is, wait, wait, wait a minute. Are we going to jail? What's happening here? Yeah. Um, so it was very difficult. Unlike today where it's, you can just go to swanbitcoin.com forward slash orange pill, you know, and you can get $10 free Bitcoin by just signing up hey, and uh, it's easy. And <laughs> you, can get it, you know, pulled right into your Casa wallet immediately and you have multi-signature security Right. Yeah. I mean, all that stuff's brand new. It's so easy today to get into Bitcoin compared to when it, before when it, you, you typically you lose it, you, you, the wrong address, stolen. You know, it's mm. just like a totally wild situation. Uh, and today it's a lot easier. And the numbers prove it. The adoption yeah. rates are going up quite quickly. The institutional money is coming in huge. Mm -hmm. And um, so now we're at the sweet spot. I, I, if you look at it historically, if I go back to the dot-com era of the 1990s, I, as I mentioned, I started the Hollywood Stock Exchange in 1996. And then in 1997, I believe it was when Netscape went public. And that was really the beginning of what the dot-com boom era was when Netscape went public. Mark Andreessen, of course, was Netscape. And what did Mark Andreessen just do this week? He announced the public offering of Coinbase. And so this is really going to be like that 1997 moment for, for Bitcoin, where we go from the whole phase of, is it real? Is it not real? Like we saw on the internet in the nineties uh, mm -hmm. to where it becomes uh, absolutely ubiquitous. And the price from here is uh, going to go a lot, lot higher. Okay. Where do you think it's going to go? Well, for 2021, my prediction is 220,000 per okay. coin for 2021 and longer term, Really, uh, I say there is no top to Bitcoin because there's no bottom for fiat money. Mm. No, no fiat money in, in history is, has lasted. Over the past 300 years, they've all gone to zero yeah. or lost 99% of their purchasing power. Mm -hmm. As uh, Voltaire once said, all fiat money returns to its intrinsic value of zero. Um, okay. And this is uh, we're going to see this with the U.S. dollar. Uh, the U.S. dollar is at risk of going the way of the Venezuelan Bolivar. Really, it's turning okay. into utter garbage. Gotcha. So I, I think I understand what you're saying there, but there is going to be some people who are listening who think, wow, that guy's, this guy's talking crazy. It's Bitcoin that's going to go to zero. How can the dollar go to zero, right? I have my trust in the dollar. Everyone uses the dollar. Let me, let me so, repeat. Uh, no fiat money in the past 300 years has escaped going to zero. Mm -hmm. There's been hundreds of fiat money. The average lifespan of paper money is 27 years. Okay. None have survived. The British pound is still around, although it's no longer backed by silver or gold or anything like that. It is purely fiat. Mm -hmm. And so we can't really say it's been around for the 300 years. But even so, it's lost over 99% of its purchasing power. The mm -hmm. U.S. dollar has lost 98 to 99% of its purchasing power. Uh, it's a, it, and uh, every, all these other currencies, 
many hundreds of currencies going back 300 years have all just been disappeared. They've all been erased from existence. Mm -hmm. They've all gone mm -hmm. to zero. So that's a very strong trend. How anyone could look at that history and say, well, no, the, the dollar is going to survive. The dollar is worth something. When, when it's backed by nothing except the Pentagon, as mm -hmm. Paul Krugman at the New York Times says, the U.S. dollar is backed by men with guns. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, guess what? The Pentagon, those guns, it, they cost a lot of money to keep it gassed up. You know how much it costs to keep the Pentagon at, at gassed up every day? The jets, the planes, the transportation, the de all that all that petrochemical? They spend $250 million a day. Yeah. And, oh, by the way, we, we just centered it into a secular bull market for commodities. Oil is going up. All the prices of everything going up. So the so the Fed is like, oh, we're gonna, just going to print more. We're going to print more. We're going to print another ten trillion, fifteen trillion, twenty trillion. Well, and then we're going to all buy it all back and put it on our balance sheet again. We're going to monetize the debt. We're going to keep doing that. Okay. Well, the purchase we already see inflation breaking out in the economy right now. Yeah, people it's are noticing it, and uh, it's only going to get worse. So you're going to see the next few months, food and energy is going to be up 30, 40, 50 percent. Your mm -hmm. wages are not going to be the, are going to be flat. They're not going up. They're going to give more coupons, you know, in the mail. I got this from uh, today. Uh, the Nielsen company, they sent me a letter um, and they just sent, they, they put dollars in there. They put, they just put, they just put money in there. They put $2 oh. in there because it's worthless coupons. It's garbage. <laughs> right. It's like, you're going to, I mean, it's absolute garbage. Okay. So a lot of people, I'm sure, look, for the past decade, you've been in Bitcoin way longer than I have. And so you must have dealt with every criticism and type of fear and type of FUD around Bitcoin. But addressing some of the some of the big ones, I mean, because I think most people have heard of Bitcoin at this stage, but a lot of people don't understand how it's money or why it has value or what it's backed by, et cetera. So can you answer a couple of those questions for people who are listening, thinking, well, what is Bitcoin backed by, you know, or Bitcoin is worthless because it's not, it's not tangible or nobody uses it, et cetera. So can, can you address some of these criticisms just so people can understand it and perhaps even compare it to fiat money like you were doing before? Well, the first question is, what is money? Yeah. That's the first question. You know, so what is money? Asking me or yeah. is that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So money is a unit of exchange slash and store and or store of value, I would say. So money doesn't have to be, money isn't just numbers on a screen or dollars or pounds, et cetera. Any, lots of different things can act as money. In the past, people have used gold, people have used beads, people have used seashells, salt, et cetera. All right, so let me stop you right there. You okay, said- yeah. Uh, anything can be used as money. People can use anything as money. You just said that, right? Well, certainly as, as yeah, the most okay. general, as, as long as, right. as long as a certain group of people within that economy ex is willing to accept that right. that's money. People and have to put trust that in. In the past, you've used beads, you've used, yes. uh, stones, you, we use mm -hmm. gold. They've all been used as money. That's right. And as long as a, a number, a lot of people use it as money, it becomes money. You just said that, Correct. right? Yep, it's based on trust within a community. Okay, so now we've got a global community of uh, 100 million now mm -hmm. using Bitcoin. First, so the first point is that they use it as money. Yeah. So they believe it's money. It is money because people use it as money. Mm -hmm. And, and that's, that's the first point. 
In other words, money is whatever people think it is. Whatever the community decides it is, that's money. We, we know why gold has became money over time because it has some great properties in that it's, uh, it, it's, um, it has very no entropy, right? I mean, it can, it, it'll, it'll, uh, an ounce of gold today will remain an ounce of gold for a hundred years or 200 years. It's, yeah. it's, 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 it's stable in this sense. It's portable, it's divisible, it's fungible, you know, it's, it's um, desirable. And it became money and it pushed out all the other versions of it, like beads or whatever, whatever. It's scarce. Gold is scarce, mm-hmm. relatively yeah. scarce. And so for 5,000 years, people used ultimately gold. Even the central banks that are using uh, fiat money, they do settle between them in gold. So we understand why gold is money. It's scarce. It's portable. It's divisible. It's desirable. Um, and if we apply that to Bitcoin, it's absolutely scarce, unlike gold, which is only relatively scarce. Gold, gold is inflating by 2 or 3% a year, so it's not actually as scarce as Bitcoin. It's more divisible. It's more portable. It's yes. unconfiscatable, which gold doesn't have that property. Gold get, can get confiscated. And it's, mm-hmm. it's been confiscated in the past in 1933. America's gold is confiscated by FDR and put in Fort Knox. Yeah. Right. So gold is confiscatable. Bitcoin is unconfiscatable. It's immutable. It's indestructible. Um, and that unconfiscatable quality, as I've talked to black audiences for 10 years now, is key because what's what's the problem with with black America is that or the black community around the world is that they have their wealth confiscated over and over and over again. And the reason the black community has embraced Bitcoin so powerfully in America right now is because they recognize this is the first form of unconfiscatable money mm-hmm. that's been available to them uh, for anybody uh, ever. And so it's gaining huge traction in the black community. As, as uh, Isaiah Jackson wrote in his book, Bitcoin and Black America, mm-hmm. he quotes me in the book several times because yeah, I've been yeah. reaching out to the black community for 10 years and telling him, look, you know, Whitey is going to be taking you. <laughs> all day long it's absolutely true you know whitey is you know is going to be taking your shit it happens over and over again and i'm saying the black community if all you know you want to keep whitey out of your you put it on bitcoin it's unconfiscatable you know i can use the w word because i'm white right i can use the w word the w word is okay for me to use because i'm white yeah and i'm telling you it's necessary it's necessary to protect. So it's unconfiscatable. That's not true of gold. Mm. So you see, you start building this. You understand what's happening here. It's got all the attributes of gold. It's got, be- it's even better than gold. So then, mm. okay, don't compare it to fiat money because fiat money is, is just, uh, as we've already discussed, it's, it's a, uh, it has nothing, no value at all whatsoever. It's printed without, it's not, it has no scarcity whatsoever. They just print it by the trillions. If you look at the M1 money supply, M2, M3, they, they literally print trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars. And as a result of, of this, any mistake the government makes, they just paper it over with more paper money. Right. So that's the, nobody. Nobody takes the dollar seriously. No one takes fiat money seriously. You know, it's complete garbage. You know, it's I mean, I usually have a stack of paper money right here that I I've ripped up tens of thousands of dollars worth of, of money, paper money. It's it's it doesn't deserve any respect whatsoever. Um, 
Okay. So, so to get back to your query, you know, um, it, it's we, we established what money is. Bitcoin fulfills the requirements of money and it's better than gold for the reasons I just mentioned. And, uh, and, and, and so we see why this is developing the way it is. It's pushing out all that other garbage money mm-hmm. and it's, it's, it's becoming, uh, the Bitcoin standard. So um, wh- why why are people so resistant to those ideas then? Because as we know, the number of people, I mean, 10 years in, sure, more and more people are adopting Bitcoin. Its market cap broke a trillion, $1 trillion last month, if you're going to compare it to dollars. But we're still at a stage where it's really early, right? A lot of people, the vast majority of people don't own any Bitcoin. The vast majority of people don't really understand it. A lot of people don't trust it. A lot of people think um, governments are going to ban it, etc. So why do you think it's just a matter of time before people really understand this and it catches on or does something else need to happen? Well, uh, you mentioned a couple of things there. So the government sure. banning it, that's one point. Yes, that's and then another dangerous. point is people who are against it. So mm-hmm. uh, the people who are against it are people who are completely vested in the in the system as it is now in the status quo. So people like Noriel Rubini or Peter Schiff or Paul Krugman of the New York Times or the people at Davos, the people at the IMF, the people at the World Bank who are wed to paper money, who are wed to the idea that the world should be centralized, that they should be, there should be a Politburo of authoritarian and authorities who making policy for everybody. And if you were to go against that, you know, you're a heretic and we're going to send in the inquisition and we're going to burn you at the stake. So it's very similar to what we saw during the medieval times. For example, when Copernicus was, uh, you know, suggesting that it's not the earth at the center, but the sun, Mm. right? That was a d- direct assault on the Catholic Church and the power structures of those of that day. And it yes. set off what we now know to become the Renaissance and which became the Enlightenment. Uh, and Bitcoin is similar in that it's totally told the center of the elite world that their money printing fiat money central banks are not the be all and the end all. We've got something here that pushes you out. It's the, it's the first change in base layer money in 5000 years. So they are like the priests of the church were not happy about it uh, when they were shown up to be charlatans. Uh, mm-hmm. The people, the elites now in the U.S. and around the world are not happy that they're being shown up to be frauds, to be charlatans, that their, their philosophy is dead. Their modus operandi is corrupt. Uh, so they're not happy about it. So we would want, if Bitcoin is going to be successful, we then would have to attract the ire of the legacy system and the uh, authoritarians who would be uh, challenged by it, of course. So, but one by one, they fall. One by one, they fall and they come over to the side of Bitcoin. We've got three sitting uh, Congress people in Washington now who are actively pro Bitcoin. We've got mm. Cynthia Loomis in Wyoming, who's a senator, who's a Bitcoiner. We've got two others in Washington who are now bit, you know, totally pro Bitcoin. America now is starting to shift uh, to be getting more pro Bitcoin. So I don't and, and, and this idea of government banning it again, completely fallacious argument. Instead, what we're seeing is that governments are realizing they need to embrace Bitcoin to remain competitive. Yes. So they're not going to ban it. They're going to start mining it. They're going to start mm-hmm. hoarding it mm-hmm. because we're having what's similar to, well, let's say, a Sputnik moment when America entered the space race because the Soviets had put up a satellite in orbit. 
And then America said, we're going to land a man on the moon. Well, now you've got Iran, Russia, China, Kazakhstan, and several other countries are hoarding and mining Bitcoin. And America is going to look at that and say, wait a minute, do we want Iran to be the richest country in the world? No, we've got to start mining and hoarding Bitcoin right now. Mm-hmm. And it's got to be a hash race or a hash moment where America's got to start to get in the race here. Anybody who abandons Bitcoin is going to be left for dead. Uh, Nigeria, they had a chance to become the leading Bitcoin country in the world. The government came out and said, we're going to ban it. And yeah. the people said, hey, guess what? We're, we are going <laughs> to ignore you. The Bitcoin yeah. price now is $70,000 a coin. Yeah, and the I've people heard, are I've saying, heard. guess what? You just expose yourself as impotent fools and we don't, we're not going to listen to you anymore. Drop dead. Uh, same thing in India. India is saying, oh, we're going to ban it. The people are saying, guess what? You can go pound sand. We don't, we're not going to listen to you anymore. So this is a great insurrection. It's the global insurrection against banker occupation. Thanks to Bitcoin. We're going to get rid of the nation state. We're going to get rid of the central bank. We're going to have peer-to-peer commerce with the hardest money ever known in the history of humans. And it's pro-peace. Unlike fiat money, that's pro-war. War and fiat money go together. That's Bitcoin true. promotes peace. Bitcoin promotes I know what you mean there, but can you explain what, can you go into that more when you said that fiat money promotes war? Can you talk about that more for some people who, who may not understand that immediately? Right. So uh, the, when you go to war, it's expensive. Yes. And if you go to war and you start running out of money, you start printing more of it because you can. So the war keeps going. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Afghanistan is a good example. America's still in Afghanistan. And why? Because they just print the money. Yeah. If they had to actually pay for the war using hard money, like the gold that is in the Fort Knox, mm-hmm. the war would have ended, you know, 15 years ago. Under the gold standard, wars were somewhat sure. limited in, in duration because mm-hmm. countries would run out of money. They'd run out of gold and the war would be over. Uh, and so there was a limiting factor to it, uh, because Bitcoin is unconfiscatable and it, you cannot acquire my Bitcoin through coercion or violence, unlike fiat money. Mm-hmm. You know, the America has a U.S. dollar standard world reserve currency. The foreign policy is give us all of your commodities and wealth in exchange for this, in, in exchange for this <laughs> nonsensical paper money. Yeah. Or. We're going to send the Marines in. They're going to start killing people mm-hmm. like Iraq. Great example. We want your oil. And Saddam said, no, I don't think so. I'm going to price it in euros instead. And America said, okay, well, we're going to kill 500,000 of your Iraqi women and children. And, uh, and we're going to take over the country. And now we own the oil. How about that, buddy? Mm-hmm. And the world said, oh, bravo, bravo. Tony Blair was like, yeah, yeah, go get Saddam. <laughs> it's okay right? if America does it. Yeah, you know, it's pathetic. Now with yeah. Bitcoin, it's like you can send in as many Marines as you want. Everything's in Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. So you're not going to get anything. So you're wasting your time and money. Why don't you just stay in Washington, D.C. and go on the web and masturbate like all you other bureaucrats? <laughs> right? I mean, that's the only thing you're good for. You know, do yeah. it, Jeff Tubin. Do a, do a Zoom call and masturbate. I mean, that's what the elite are good for. That's all they're good for. They're professional <laughs> masturbators. So with, with Bitcoin, they're like, there's got nothing else to do. Either buy Bitcoin or shut up. Straight right? Up. And there's nothing you can do about it. There's yeah. nothing you can do about it. Again, I, I, 
my message to those communities in America that have been treated poorly for mm-hmm. hundreds of years. You know, this is unconfiscatable wealth. Yeah. You know, the KKK can show up in your door and it doesn't matter. <laughs> they're not going to get your Bitcoin. Yeah. They can burn your house down, but they still don't get your Bitcoin. Yeah. Hopefully we're, hopefully, hopefully we're, we're past all that as well. But, uh, no, but we're we get not. the point. The black community oh. is still being murdered in the street for no reason other than not, being black. Not, not, not by the KKK, man. They, they go real. by a different name now. But white supremacy is still the operating, you know, logic of American policy. There's no mm-hmm. doubt about that. You know, Ooh, Tariq Nasheed, dis- my friend we'll, Tariq Nasheed. We'll, 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 we'll disagree on that one, man. We'll, for you if you don't get it. <laughs> we'll disagree on that one, man. Most black people in America are getting killed by other black people, man. We know that. That's a fact. Um, uh, that's systemic, a major, major fact. Systemic economic disenfranchisement and the prison industrial complex, which is yeah, still got a- black men in jail has created yeah. enormous social problems and a, a justice that. system that favors uh, a, a mentality that one could liken most akin to white supremacy, which is has a long, long history in the United States. And I, I, I it's hear not that, but gone I'm, away. I, it's not gone I, away. I, I'm not I'm not accepting that black people are killing other black people because of white supremacy. That that's not an argument I'm gonna buy. But we don't need to dwell on that. <laughs> in the black community was orchestrated by the white community. That's it leads to black on black violence, uh, because they're it's 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 because essentially it's an open air prison in all these communities, which is a very violent situation. What I'm saying to the black community is like the way out is through Bitcoin, because uh, when, 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 when these guys come knocking on the door, uh, they can't get your Bitcoin. So, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, we can continue down this we'll, path. We'll, we'll, There's yeah, no we'll, way we'll, you we'll, can we'll, dissuade <laughs> me from my, my, my position that oh, uh, no, we'll, we'll, go you've got white supremacists running America. Nah, man, no way. We, we- <laughs> That that would be a big argument, but we'll we'll save that one for later. We'll I'm, 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 later. I'm, okay. I'm with you. I'm with you on the Bitcoin. I'm not with you on the white supremacy one. I I, I don't All think right. we can. Uh, we'll take it to we can... <laughs> Yeah, we should actually. We should. Yeah, I don't. I don't think we can outsource responsibility of individuals' actions to to white people all day long. It doesn't make sense and. A lot of those problems exist outside we, of the U.S. We USA have too. an ongoing pogrom against ethnic minority. You know, you're going to create all kinds. Where? Yeah, where? Absolutely. Where? Where? Pogroms. Come on, man. Yeah. Where? Absolutely. Where? Look, here's the municipal. Here's the deal in America, the private prisons in America. They will go into a community, a municipality, and they'll say, outsource our, your prisons to us, the private corporation. And mm-hmm. uh, you, we can take that off your list of things that you need to do at your municipality. The only thing we ask is that you, the municipality, have to make sure that we're at 98% occupancy at our private prison. Mm-hmm. It's written in the contract. It's written in the prospectus. This mm-hmm. is not, I'm not making this up. It's known facts. Okay. So that means that the police of that municipality go out and they need to fill the prison to 98% mm-hmm. capacity to fulfill their contract. So they go out and arrest black men, essentially, and just put them, them into prison to fulfill arrest, their ar- contract. Arrest, and arrest then, them for of what? Course, arrest, oh, wait, can, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Put those black <laughs> men in prison are now working for hang 50 on. cents a day. So then now they got slavery. 
back Next. in America. It's back Next. in America. Slavery Next. is back. It's, it's legal Next. in America. There's a real easy way to not go to prison. Real easy way. It doesn't matter your skin color. If you don't commit crime, you don't go to prison. It doesn't matter. I think you're being naive. Because, How am I being naive? Uh, I think you're taking... I think you're taking... Black I think men you're taking, and putting them into prison to fulfill I think you're their taking agency. I think you're taking agency away from black people by outsourcing all of this and blaming everything on white people. Black people have agency. Black people have responsibility. If someone goes out and murders another black person, you can't blame that on a white person. If someone goes out and robs another black person, you can't blame that on a white person. I know millions <laughs> i know i'm connected to thousands of black americans and if you don't commit a crime regardless of your skin color unless in very extreme rare circumstances you're not you're not ending up in prison um sure there can be problems with the prison industrial complex the, i don't the, doubt that the, the overriding like just political philosophy that guides the uh justice system in the united states is based on white supremacy and What's that can be broken down into every single layer down to the municipal level. Within that, in region by region, you will find differences and they're on an individual basis. Of course, what, there's difference, what, what, the difference uh, 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 that's going on. But we know that with, for example, Isaiah Jackson, my friend who wrote Bitcoin in Black America. Yeah, he I goes know, into it quite specifically about the redlining that goes on, the zoning, mm -hmm. the gerrymandering, essentially the isolation, uh, the the way that the black community is constantly deprived of bank loans and loans and and targeted and subjected to abuse and subjected to uh, all kinds of racism constantly all all the time uh, is built into the system. And you think this is a bigger problem than people's actual personal responsibility and own behaviors and actions? Yeah, I do, because it's okay, uh, you're living in a system of white supremacy and that has. Can, OK, hang on, hang on. You keep saying white supremacy. Can you please yeah. define what you mean when you say that? Because I know what that, I mean. The, the white, and, the, the, it's, it, it means exactly what it is. The white population believes that it has uh, rights above and beyond uh, the black population, that they're not do equal. You believe, do, you, do you believe that? No. Okay. Do you think most white people in America believe that? At some level, yes. Okay, but you're different? Yeah. Mm, I'm not saying you're a white supremacist because I don't think you are, but I don't think most I don't think most white Americans hold white supremacist beliefs. I don't buy that. And if if you I, think that I, I, I need to see I'm some a evidence. Whitey myself, I, I can tell you, I'll give you the 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 four one one from from the mind of the of the white community that you have both subtle and overt racism tendencies throughout the white population. Mm -hmm. and, and in the black population, perhaps? Well, this is the minority okay. population that's being subjected to the, to this, this ideology, right? So they, they're the victims of, of this, of this uh, situation. And I believe so the where do, population, so where do black the black people... population is less than 5% in the U.S. No, it's not. It's 13%. Okay. 13%. Yeah. Um, so where do black people actually have agency in this worldview? Because it sounds like you don't feel like black people really have agency in this situation. They have agency with, with Bitcoin. Is that it? Yep. Just like anybody has agency <laughs> with Bitcoin. Is that, is, that not, is that not a racist comment? It's a worldview like comment. comment. Uh, all, all, like people, a comment. all people have agency with Bitcoin. All yeah, people have black agency people's with only agency is with Bitcoin. That's uh, in the United States. In the United States, I would say that the Bitcoin provides agency for black people. Uh, it, it might not be the only way uh, or the only example, of it, but I, I with it's, Bitcoin, it's, you have agency uh, with Bitcoin because you have unconfiscatable wealth, which is which sure. is something that 
black community Americans never had that, never had that. They've never had that uh, opportunity before. Yeah, look, I'm, I'm not disagreeing on the Bitcoin. I think you're, like I said, I, I think my problem is with what you're saying is you're removing the agency that black people have. Black people have just as much agency as not, white not people. I'm not removing it. I'm saying that people, is an example well, you're saying, you're of saying pure they don't agency have it. with un, un, indisputable pure agency would be with Bitcoin, similar to all people in the U.S. and around the world. This is what mm-hmm. this is what's attracting. This is goes to get back to bring this back kind of back to Bitcoin okay. is that one of the attractions of Bitcoin is this on these more philosophical points where people around the world are finding that they can transact person to person and there's no third party, there's no government, there's no intermediary. The, the, the transaction is the settlement, right? There's, there, it's a bearer instrument and it, it, it fulfills the requirements of perfect money and perfect price discovery. And so people are kind of um, moving beyond a fear-based, hate-based uh, kind of societally imposed, uh, you know, fear that we that we comes down from the top, and, and are moving into a new direction and a new society, and mm-hmm. and and that's what's attracting so many people to it. And I made the point that in the United States, when I, I've been talking to the black community directly for ten years now, I, I, what I've said is that you know this is the first unconfiscatable money ever. And it, for for uh, the black community, this is a great way to whatever agency they may or may not have to improve upon it, because whatever you, the wealth that you're aggregating and, and making can be put on this in, unconfiscatable, immutable ledger called Bitcoin, and it cannot be taken from you. And that is that is a phenomenally new uh, thing. That's going to really, and, and I see it now in the black community. If you go to Clubhouse right now, you've got the uh, Bit, Black Bitcoin Billionaire Group and several others, uh, African American and Black uh, American groups, and they're like, yeah, you know, this. They they really are uh, talking about Bitcoin in in such a positive way, in a loving way. Uh, which is fantastic. And, and, and that's what I'm seeing. That's what I'm observing. And that's why Bitcoin is going to go super ballistic because it has more than just the attributes of have being perfect money. It also favors love and peace over war, love and peace over violence. It defunds the state, defunds the central bank. It defunds all those legacy systems uh, that we have unfortunately been uh, carrying on our backs for hundreds of years that we can just get rid of, get rid of it all. It's like Gandhi. You know, he went to the sea to make salt because why buy salt from British people in India when I can make my own salt? And he, the empire left, you know, and here we have people are saying, you know what? I don't need your fake fiat paper money. I can make my own money. I can make my own money. You take your central bank and shove it. I don't need it. I don't need it. Go away. Leave me alone. And that's what's happening. And yeah. so people are upset because they work at the central bank. They believe in the central bank. And now their belief system has been crushed, just like the British Empire got crushed when all the colonies basically said, hey, you know what? Bogger off. Just get out of my face <laughs> and go back to Surrey or Bedford. Yeah, or wherever you come from. <laughs> get out. Get out of here. Right now, everyone's saying that to all the central banks. They're saying, get out. That's so why the is price this? is going a lot higher, a lot higher. Yeah. You think that's is that going to be the main? What do you think is going to be the main price driver? Do you think it's going to be people looking for a hedge against inflation, or do you think it's going to come more from institutions? It's going to come from bank failures and okay. panic buying. 
Okay. So we see every time banks fail, people are scared into hard assets. And the best hard asset in the, is by far Bitcoin by, by a huge factor. So gold will benefit a little, mm-hmm. but people are going to go into Bitcoin because it's the fastest horse in the race, as Paul Tudor Jones describes it. Okay. And, and that's, that's, that's a huge driver of adoption on Bitcoin is there's, oh, there's um, $100 trillion, let's call it $100 trillion worth of investable assets around the world. That's just people buying stocks, bonds, property, this type of thing as investments and mm-hmm. le- and only what, 1 trillion of that is in bitcoin a little less than a trillion then those people are starting to get nervous about the global institutions we've got an era of deglobalization now it's no longer globalization it's deglobalization people are look at the uk right you got brexit mm-hmm. so now okay. you're out of the eu then scotland wants to leave the uk and you know mm-hmm. people are breaking apart the us you know there's a secession movement in texas we want to leave the us down in texas they say right you've got um Trade between the U.S. and China is becoming very tense. You know, a lot of the globalization that is was dr- driven the neoliberal model post World War II is all breaking apart, and so that means that uh, folks are going to start to look for alternatives, and they're a bit panic stricken. The IMF can't do anything, the World Bank can't do anything, NATO can't do anything. So they're like, "What am I going to do with my wealth? There's a hundred trillion of it." So that $1 trillion market cap for Bitcoin goes to $5, $10, $15, $20 trillion in market cap. When it gets to $11 trillion, it'll be bigger than gold. And then it'll double and triple again after that. Wow. And when, what does the, I actually have two questions here. First one is, what is the biggest, what's the biggest threat to Bitcoin? How how could this whole thing not work out? How could, how could Bitcoin fail? Um, the question is not how to, will Bitcoin fail. The question is will humanity uh, survive Bit- okay. uh, to see Bitcoin hit those int- high prices. Okay. In other words, Bitcoin that? is going to keep going whether humans are around or not. Bitcoin doesn't need humans. Bitcoin is okay. on a vector, and it's going to keep going with with or without humans. We you mean is it is going to keep getting made? You mean it'll keep right. hashing? What? Blocks keep coming. Okay. Okay. It doesn't need humans. So uh, humans, though, the question is, will humans survive? And that's an open question, because right now there's a lot of problems and you may see, you know, human extinction event. And but but Bitcoin will be fine, though. It'll keep going. Hmm. What what do you think a human extinction event would look like? That's a bit uh, disturbing. Uh, You know, I think. Are are you talking like in, in the sort of. Next few, what, what sort of timeline are we talking about here? Well, you've got, you've got a couple of uh, attack vectors. You've got a couple of situations brewing. One, one would be the, uh, the saber rattling that's going on right now between the major uh, forces, countries is pretty, pretty fierce, right? So the, okay. U, the U.S. is definitely on a collision course with China. So that could, mm-hmm. in fact, turn into first you have a currency war, then a trade war, then a hot war. So in with the U.S. and China, the first they had that currency war went on for 20 years when China came into the World Trade Organization. Then we went into a trade war, you know, under Trump. Remember, it was all trade, trade, trade. We need better deal. Mm-hmm. OK, now, you know, it seems like they're on the hot foot. They're getting into a more belligerent posturing with each other. It could end up being uh, more of a hot war. You've got, uh, for example, Taiwan looks like this is uh, becoming um, a a danger zone. Uh, What happened, what's been going on in Hong Kong, obviously has been very uh, uh, caught the attention of folks uh, on on both sides of the Pacific. And um, then you add in, you've got another block of countries. You've got China, Iran, and Russia 
are now a block of countries. They've got the uh, uh, huge amount of uh, incentive to uh, drop the U.S. dollar, which they're in the process of doing. So they're going to drop the U.S. dollar. U.S. dollar is no longer world reserve currency. They've got a block of trade and it's a, it's a mutual defense pact, right? If you attack one, you attack all, right? Mm-hmm. So that's potentially a hot zone right there. Um, what's happening in Saudi Arabia? You know, they're running out of oil, actually. Um, so that's potentially in a hot zone in the entire Middle East. Um, so you've got, uh, you know, the, the, the tensions on the geopolitical front are pretty high, I would say, relative to the last 50 years that I or 60 years I've been around. And then on the environmental front, uh, clearly, um, there's huge environmental catastrophes going on uh, in various zones, environmental zones around the world. Um, so the, the, the flooding, the storms, this type of thing, it's causing – what I would look at is I don't necessarily listen to the debate about it, but I, I, I watch what insurance companies are doing. So insurance okay. companies now are – are no longer offering insurance because they can't afford to do the insurance for flood insurance. For example, uh, they're, they're falling away at, they're, they're dropping out of Miami, right? So my, the insurance okay. companies are saying you buy a condo in Miami, that's great, but we're not going to insure it. So the insurance companies are, are kind of pulling out of the global network. So if you can't insure property, mm-hmm. you know, regardless of what you, your opinion is on this debate, it, it, it doesn't matter because the insurance company has already made the decision for you. They, they're, they're out of the business. They're not, they're not going to do it. Uh, so that, that's obviously um, problematic. And you've got the just enormous amount of people on the move from this also, as some areas go underwater, uh, you know, they, there's climate migrants, right? So they're, they're moving en masse through 300, uh, just hundreds of thousands of people are now moving on the, on the move because mm-hmm climate uh, migration is, is, is a real thing. So that, that's uh, certainly problematic. Um, then, um, you know, so there's uh, the, 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 that's why I say you could have an extinction event. Um, and in, in, if in fact that were to happen, Bitcoin was, would still be going. So the question is not, it would be useless though. What would it? stop Bitcoin, but what's, what's going to save humans. That's the bigger, that's the more relevant <laughs> question. That's my, yeah, I, that's I don't my, think I can. <laughs> I have my general concerns. I don't. I don't think I catastrophize quite quite that much. Um, I think my view is a little. I mean, would you say your view of the future then is is optimistic or pessimistic? Because that sounds quite um. Well, I'm very optimistic here. because I okay. think Bitcoin is going to save us. But oh, you know, in, in the United States, we've had it really good. I mean, after World War II, you know, we quote won that war. And it was the American century. And the, the U.S. has been completely protected against what other people experience in other countries around the world. You know, and most people around the world are living, you know, in very, very, very different lives. Many are in extreme poverty. Uh, many are are absolutely having going through hellacious times. You know, the U.S. is in an island of tranquility, really, based on the World War Two. Uh, and and we, we were the world reserve currency is the U.S. dollar. So essentially, we we were able to buy stuff from these countries ex- in exchange for U.S. dollars that we just mm-hmm. print. So we get oil for money that we print. We get yep. products from China for money that we print. It's, it's free. Mm-hmm. You know, the poor in America compared to, let's say, the poor in India, you know, it's quite a different uh, spectrum of poverty. Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely different. Very yeah, different. the U.S., they're, they're living but, like um, kings. The poor in America are 
are like, you know, living like uh, kings, basically, compared to where you have real poverty. Yeah. I mean, in a lot of, in, I mean, at the same time, though, I mean, in the past century, the poverty levels across the world have, are sharply, sharply decreasing. I mean, my, my family background is originally from Nigeria. So, you know, I'm familiar, familiar with there. And then I grew up in the Middle East myself. And, you know, if, if you look at, but regardless, I mean, based on stats, based on data, based on observation, there are obviously some countries that are far ahead of others economically, but the ones that are behind, you know, whether you're looking at China, as you mentioned, I, it wasn't long ago that China had way more poverty than it does now, or even India. Sure, there's still a lot of poverty, but it's getting better. Right, African and that global absolute poverty number is, is now starting to creep up. So you had a few decades where it was going down. Is it, is it going now, up now? Yeah, now it's starting to creep up. Is again that because, because of the whole situation this past year, or because the, the 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 anti poverty was in many ways uh, brought to you by fiat money and the ability to borrow China's debt load, America's debt load, all that debt. And by the way, the world the debt the debt to GDP for planet Earth is like three hundred percent. There's never there's the debt. What, to what GDP. does what does that actually mean? Like debt to who? Debt to who? The future. Mm. So in other words, the reason why college kids have to go into debt to, to afford college, the reason why healthcare in America is unaffordable by most, the reason why people can't afford a house is because of the debt. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, what, that's what it means to, to people right now is debt. And that's mm-hmm. only getting worse. And the interest on the debt is now becoming a factor. So the interest mm-hmm. on the debt on America's debt is now getting close to uh, in size to what we spend on the military. So it's getting just the interest on the debt. So, so what you would can't, actually, sorry, I'm, yeah. I'm wondering what would, I, I'm, this is something I've always been intrigued by and I've never really, cause whenever I hear that countries have X amount of debt, I've never, it's one of those things that I've never totally understood. Cause I'm always thinking, wait, who's this, who's this debt to? And can they not just keep playing this game where they just keep on, printing and printing and doing whatever they're doing currently to keep sort of escaping this debt as it, yeah, as it keeps great, building it great up. Question. What, what so makes that 19, house of cards fall? Yeah, 1971, the U.S. Okay. went off the gold standard and we entered into a period of pure fiat money. So no country had a currency backed by, by gold or anything like that. It was the first time in history. There's an experiment. Okay, we're all going to be fiat money mm-hmm. and all currencies are going to be backed by other fiat money. So it just goes around in this huge daisy chain of fiat money. It's backed by this fiat money, backed by, by that fiat money. Yeah. So then um, going, going forward, um, you, you have a situation where um, the, 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 the amount of, of printed uh, money to support what is essentially a Ponzi scheme continues to escalate exponentially because the the debts being run by these individual countries are not being paid back by GDP and the taxes that come with GDP. So the debt on the balance sheet of all these individual countries keeps growing and growing and growing. Even in the UK now, it's well over hundred percent. And it's that in Japan, it's almost 300%. So they keep writing checks for stuff that they, they pay for with that by printing more and more, more, more money. Um, so then uh, what happens is, the ability, as long as all the banks are working together, the central banks around the world, then there's no obvious um, problem. Mm -hmm. And 
what, the, again, to get back to Bitcoin, as Christine Lagarde at the IMF said recently, Bitcoin is an escape valve. In other words, with Bitcoin now, people like Michael Saylor, MicroStrategy, can look at this debt daisy chain that's building up around the world. And he can say, you know what? I know they, they're telling me there's no inflation, but in fact, I can see that there is inflation running at 15 to 20% a year. Mm -hmm. And if I use that debt, and if I can borrow money at, at less than 1%, which is part of this whole debt fandango, this debt daisy chain is there, everyone keeps rates really, really low. Mm -hmm. And I buy Bitcoin, I can crash, I can make a ton of money. Uh, we saw something similar in 1993 with George Soros in the Bank of England. He launched a speculative attack against the Bank of England. He essentially uh, booted them out of the exchange rate mechanism and made a billion dollars. Yeah. Uh, Stan Druckenmiller was working with him at that time. So now what, the, what Michael Saylor, Elon Musk, and Jack Dorsey at, at uh, Twitter are doing by putting Bitcoin on their balance sheet by the billions and billions mm -hmm. is they're saying, we essentially are going to, we, we're going to, uh, th they're attacking the system. They're attacking mm -hmm. the central banks. They're attacking fiat money. They, they mm -hmm. could have borrowed that money to buy back their own stock and the, their, their, their executive stock options would be up wildly in price. Yeah. But they said, you know what? Actually, we're going to make more money by attacking the system, by taking your 1% money that is artificially low interest rates, and we're going to buy this immutable, unconfiscatable, perfect money called Bitcoin. Yeah. And we're going, to, uh, we're going to trigger this global central bank catastrophe. I think when the history is written of this, Michael Saylor and MicroStrategy will be cited as the shot heard around the world, mm. as, the, as the shot that started the global insurrection against banker occupation. Mm. And, we're, and we're seeing it right now. It's an escape valve. Yeah. People who want to escape this nightmare of paper money are mm. doing it with Bitcoin. And now these corporate CEOs are doing it. And they're doing it in billions and billions. And that is growing quickly. And that's the problem with debt. And that's where we're going to see the the mark to market of this debt. That's where we're going to, it's going to be revealed the negative impact of that debt because the governments will say they have no way of diminishing that debt. They have no way of handling that debt. They can't simply um, ignore it. Um, so uh, this is a one-way bet. And if you think about how much debt is out there, there are hundreds of trillions of dollars. In fact, the derivatives market, which is another layer of fake money on top of this existing layer of fake money, is worth well over a quadrillion. Wow. You're talking about a quadrillion of bad paper <laughs> that's going to find yeah. its way into Bitcoin. Wow. Uh, you know, that's, that's a lot higher Bitcoin price. I don't even know what a quadri quadrillion is. Like, is that what's that? A, a thousand, thousand trillion? trillion. A thousand <laughs> trillion is a quadrillion. I can't even. Uh, how much money is in the world? Like, what's the what's the value of everything in the world? Three hundred trillion. Three hundred trillion. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. That's the the value of the assets of the world. Okay. Um, you have derivatives, which are trading on top of that, as in, in terms of financial derivative contracts that are. Mm -hmm instruments that are used in finance and that and that layer is worth well over a quadrillion wow the total forex market by the way which is just the amount of money traded in forex you know yen yeah. dollar pounds that's over last i checked five trillion dollars a day yeah. a day crazy and now crazy. getting back to interest rates for a second let's talk about another concept which i call interest rate apartheid oh wow okay 
So, and again, with the black disenfranchisement in America, it's done in many ways using interest rates. So a whitey like me, uh, if I've got a friend at Goldman Sachs, I can borrow money at 0%. Mm -hmm. But the vast majority of folks out there, and to a large degree, the black population, they can't get any money at any percent. But if they can, they're going to be charged a lot higher rates of return, a lot higher interest rates, 16 17%. Look at credit card rates. Credit cards are 17 18 19% on your credit card. And that hasn't changed in 10, 15 years, even though interest rates as a whole have dropped down to near zero yeah. because banks who are lending at 0% to their close friends to buy assets because mm -hmm. the bank has assets on their books. If they lend at 0% to a hedge fund on Wall Street who's going to go buy a penthouse on Park Avenue, the penthouse market goes up and so do the bank's assets that they have on their books. They go up and then they use those assets as collateral to go out and do more financial uh, games in the derivatives market. But if you don't have assets and you go into the bank or you're living on credit cards and you're borrowing money to buy groceries, they're charging you 18%. The banks don't care about you, you know, because you don't own a house. You don't own an asset. And you're not going to help them. Their assets go up. So they yeah. gouge you. They rip you off. They steal mm -hmm. your money. There's Whitey again, stealing your money. You know, Whitey's doing a runner. He's stealing aren't your money. Aren't, with, they stealing, aren't, they, aren't they stealing poor Whitey's money as well? Yeah, definitely. That, yeah, I was going to say, isn't, isn't that surely that's wealth and class-based yep. rather than race-based, right? I mean, yep, sure, there will be, be some correlations, but it's... it's absolutely. I don't but like I don't like again, making things racial issues if they're not. More. What's that? Blacks get ripped off more. Yeah, maybe so. Um, yeah, maybe I, so. I, I, yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I don't like making things racial issues that are other issues, you know, if something is socioeconomic or there's some overlapping. Then, I, of course, I, know, I know there's overlap. I know there's overlap, of course. And I know that some of that dates back to historical issues. I just, um, I'm not a big fan of over, over racializing things as you've probably noticed. <laughs> but, um, in terms of, uh, in terms of what's happening in terms of the next, let's see, I don't know. How do you see the next, how do you see the next sort of two to three years playing out in this regard when it comes to Bitcoin, when it comes to, what guys like Michael Saylor and Elon Musk have started, have sort of set off in the past few months. Do you yeah. think that that's going to lead to more and more CEOs and billionaires doing diving in and doing the same thing? Do you think um, all these trillions of dollars and pounds are being printed in the wake of this virus pandemic, et cetera? Which is where, wh where do you see it going in the, in the short to midterm? I think it's going to lead to a collapse in confidence of the U.S. dollar. Okay. Which means that you've got, you know, hyperinflationary expectations now coming into the system. US dollar specifically or just all the large currencies? Does that go the same for the British pound, the euro, etc.? Yeah, it goes for all fiat money, but the US dollar is still world reserve currency, so it has the greatest impact and it's uh so specifically the, the US mm. dollar would would have the most to lose. And I, I think it's going to undermine faith in the dollar. And uh, which which means you got inflation is a real problem. You know, Michael Berry, who did the big short, uh, he's been tweeting wildly about inflation, saying, you know, you, yeah. folks, you got to wake up because this thing is about to blow. Once the inflation genie comes out of the bottle, you can't get it back in because back in. Um, it, it's a wild beast. You know, I lived uh, when I started on Wall Street in 1982. It was right after Paul Volcker uh, when he was Fed chairman to fight inflation. He took the short rate up or the 10 year rate up to 20%, 20%. Mm -hmm. 
because of the to try to defeat inflation. Yeah. And now for since 1980, he's had a 40 year bull market in bonds because rates have gone down for 40 years. Mm-hmm. That's a secular bull market in bonds that's lasted 40 years. If that breaks and you have a secular bear market in bonds, which means interest rates go up, mm-hmm. all the financialization of the past 40 years and all those derivative contracts blow up. They blow up badly, like we saw in 2008 when there was a giant credit freeze and nobody would lend to anybody. Banks wouldn't lend to other banks. The overnight rate went to like 8 9 10% between banks because they didn't trust each other. And you have a complete credit freeze. Now magnify that times, uh, multiply that times 100 is what we're talking about. If if CEOs and wealthy people around the world pile into Bitcoin and kiss central banks goodbye. <laughs> They're like, goodbye. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Max, that's that's this has been a really, really fascinating conversation. It's been so good to, to have you on the podcast. If people want to find out more about what you're doing and your thoughts, et cetera, what's the best place for them to check you out and follow you? Well, we have our YouTube channel. It's Orange Pill. Definitely subscribe to the YouTube channel, Orange Pill. We got a Telegram group, which is t.me forward slash Orange Pill. We got a daily newsletter, the Orange Pill Daily Dose. You can sign up for it, orangepilldailydose.com. It's me saying interesting things right in your mailbox every day. I mean, what, what can be better? What could you want? What more could right. you want? <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Max Kaiser, thank you so much for coming on the Real Talk with Zuby show. It's been a pleasure talking to you. All right, Zuby, anytime. I am the man, sick with the slang, sick and I'm destined for fame. Do for the fam, not for the grand, stuntly and destined for pain. I do not front, I do not scam, put some respect on my name. Sick like a For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.